0: you are listening to Goth Girl Horror, the podcast dedicated to the comic book series Hack Slash by Tim Seeley. I am your host, Dr. Chris.
1: And I am your co-host, Serena.
2: And I'm Tim Seeley, the guy that made up the Hack Slash comic book.
0: <laughs> and we thank you, Tim, for coming on the show with us to talk about Hack Slash comic book carnage, and also to talk about Hack Slash in general. We really do appreciate it. Oh, Very
1: much. Me. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for making a podcast dedicated to the comic. That's awesome. I I that's uh you guys keep the fires alive while I uh burn out, so <laughs> I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> while you write everything else?
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. Everything that's not hackslash. <laughs> well, I'm I'm dipping back in with the crow crossover, so I'm I'm back in it.
0: Tim, your yeah. career is like long and vast. What The one thing I don't know, actually, because I didn't know who you are until Hack Slash came out. What was the first comic book you ever wrote that got published, either independently or by a major studio?
2: I mean, so years ago, like when I was in college, I did a strip for the college newspaper and I printed up copies of that that I sold at that was the first thing I wrote, that I sold at Chicago Comic Con when I was like 19, I think? But Hack Slash was pretty early on because I started out drawing G.I. Joe. That was like my first professional, full-time job, and I did Hack Slash while drawing G.I. Joe. So I wrote Hack Slash because drawing G.I. Joe was driving me crazy. So I I needed a side project, so I started Hack Slash. So it was, it was pretty close up there. Before this, um, before that, I did Love Bunny and Mr. Hell and uh, some G.I. Joe Transformers crossovers. But Hack Slash was definitely, like, up there, as far as early projects, and originally I was too afraid to. When I really came up with it, I was afraid to write it because I didn't think I, I could do a monthly book. So I actually originally asked Robert Kirkman to do it, who ends up being in *Comic Book Carnage*. But at the time, that's why I was like, "Oh, he—he's—he knows his horror stuff. I'll have him do it." and he was too busy, so I decided I'd write it myself, and I got somebody else to draw it.
1: Very nice. Now I read somewhere I think that you also used to write children's books.
2: I drew children's books. Drew uh, children's yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, my first job out of college was at a publisher called Learner Publishing in Minneapolis, and I was a staff illustrator. So I did, like, uh, not a lot of storybooks, but a lot of, like, educational children's books stuff. So, and at the same time, I was drawing for um, a company called Avatar Press. I was doing, like, kids' books during the day, and at night I would draw booby books for Avatar. So it tells me like, <laughs> everything you need to know.
1: That works for me. Get all those creative juices flowing.
2: Yeah. I'd get bored <laughs> if I had to do one thing. But I, I was... I was always afraid my bosses at the children's book company would find out that I drew TNA books at night. I was always worried about it. Now they, of course,
0: have probably found out, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Possibly. I think you're doing well, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: um, you besides Hack Slash, you had a bit of a dip in the other parts of the horror genre because you were uh, instrumental in the Halloween comic books, which doesn't get mentioned as much.
2: Uh, yeah, they came out... I mean, they were kind of a weird... It was like the period between the Rob Zombie reboots and um, the sort of end of the, you know, the Michael Myers. Um, it was like right around H two O. We did those comics, but they were, I, I like we got the license and I kind of lobbied to get the the right to draw it. I was like super into drawing it.
0: I I loved it. I own every single issue, and it, and it wasn't until like afterwards I suddenly realized, oh wait, this is the same guy who does Hackslash.
2: Yeah, I screw people up because I do the two things. And not not a lot of people do, you know, anymore because it's not a super efficient thing. But, like, I never end up doing the same book. I draw one book and write a different one. I'm never doing the same, you know, the same Is there book. a reason for that? It just never times out right. Oh, okay. And mostly, well, and partially because for creator-owned stuff, it's such a big investment to to draw something and write at the same time, especially because you'd be waiting for a oh. paycheck for so long. So <laughs> usually I've always done a point. you know, like I'll work for Marvel and, and do some comic drawing and then I'll do hack slash on the side or I'll switch it around so that I can do, uh, have somebody else write hack slash and I'll do, write some stuff. Like I'm always, you know, trying to balance out the difficulties of having a comic book career.
1: Yeah. Understandable. Like, Oh, um, resurrection. That was what? written. Teeny Howard, right?
2: Yeah. So yeah. I kind of felt like I was getting, you know, I wanted to do a book, but I kind of wanted to have some new voices out, so I could learn um, kind of, you know, a new, a new perspective on the character. So Teeny had actually kind of, and it made me feel good and old too. But she had read it when she was a teenager, so I kind of felt like she would have a good perspective on it because she grew up with the character and kind of was someone like Cassie. Like as much as I think I get the character, it's always true that mm-hmm. um, that I'm still a dude, uh, and yeah. I get- didn't grow up as a, a disaffected goth girl, but Teeny did. So I thought that'd be a great <laughs> way to, to try and get a new angle on the character.
1: No, I really loved it. Um, I, I found out about Hackslash during, I think it was the second issue of Resurrection, and then I picked up the rest of them, loved it, and then went back and started picking up all the um early issues. So, yeah, I think she did a great job.
0: Well, thank you. You um you currently have a current... You, mm, let me start over. This is why we record this, and then we edit. <laughs> the current big book that you have going on besides Hack slash Chaos is Dark Red, and you've dipped your toe into the vampire genre previously. Where does Dark Red come from?
2: Basically, I want to do a vampire story that could kind of play on the, um, the political climate of the day, because uh, I had an, a rough idea about, you know, kind of the idea that and it was based partially uh, on my own grandpa, because my grandpa uh, is sort of the, the epitome of what you would consider the, the, the modern Trump supporter, except he doesn't tr- support him at all. And um, the idea that he was a rural guy, and he was sort of self-made, and he, you know, he um, always worked in, in you know like blue-collar jobs, and all this sort of thing, and yet he didn't uh, go for that stuff while so many people did. So I, I wanted to tell that kind of story, but also the idea was, you know, to do it as a kind of a parable. And um, I kind of felt like a, a a vampire living in a rural place would would definitely have to, you know, most vampire stories that, that do that, you know, they're in gothic cities or or they're, you know, or like Vampire the Masquerade, where it's very much focused on on urban spaces. And I thought it would be interesting to to have a vampire, someone who doesn't change over a long time while the world changes around them. And kind of what that would mean for the version of America that they grew up in and what their version of America um, would be now and and versus what we have. So it's kind of just a way to do a couple different kind of stories that I wanted to tell. But also, you know, it's, it's basically going to be a big, crazy vampire fight comic as well. So the hope is always to do something that works on multiple levels. Like, obviously, there's sort of a political parable in it. You know, and it's also an homage to my grandpa, who... He's a great guy. He's 95. He's still around. He fought in World War II. Um, he's cool as hell. Uh, and I, I, I took a lot of his stories and put them into Dark Red.
1: Is that that grandfather? Is that Vlad?
2: It is. Yeah, Vladislav Legner, uh, also known as Jim. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> he was the the inspiration for a lot of my stuff. Cause he's just an amazing guy, and I'm lucky to have him. You know. I'm forty two and I still have my grandfather, uh so that's such a I don't want that to be wasted, you know. I wanna really use that um that resource. So I interviewed him for this story and tried to you know, obviously I'm fictionalizing a lot of things and and, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure like to some degree like taking a, a man's very serious stories and, and, and memories and like putting them into a vampire story is maybe a little messed up, but it's also like completely accurate to my life. Like of course I would do that. So
0: uh, my grandpa, I told
2: him about it. He thought it was very cool, so. And I think that, you know, when I was a kid, I was sort of associated, because his name was Vlad, I kind of associated him just in my head with vampires anyway. It's kind of just <laughs> putting a bunch of things together um, that necessarily, that don't seem to go together.
1: How does he feel about the character named after him in Hackslash?
2: He, he just thinks, it's, he doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I'll show. I showed him that I dedicated the book to him and I showed him. But he's like, that guy, that big green guy, like, that. you know, he, you know he's not real sure about it, but he, I, like, I showed him dark red and told him I, I based it on some of his stories, and that seemed to, you know, he, he really liked that, so, um, but yeah, it's funny, it's just like, and, and part of the character of Chip in the book is, he doesn't change, and that's my grandpa, like, he, he's amazing guy, but like, he, you know, he said one time, when I was interviewing him, he was like, how do you fit all those photos in your phone, how, how is it not heavy? Like, he doesn't, doesn't, (laughs) he's a genius sort of guy, but he doesn't understand technology and has no interest in understanding it. And I always thought that was just, you know, a thing I wanted to kind of put into a a character is this absolute resistance or inability to change. But that's kind of what caused that generation to, that's how they won World War II. Like, they were just unwilling to to bend. And uh, I think that's kind of incredible and also some kind, it can be a very difficult character trait for. Especially for an entire generation.
1: Yeah. Well, that's very cool. I really like the whole aspect of you naming Vlad after Grandfather. I thought that was really cool when I found out. So, It's sweet. It's very yeah. sweet how you talk about him.
0: He's a cool dude. Those he sounds li- like it. That's a very incredibly moving story, too, about your grandfather as well. I mean, it's, there's definitely layers to every comic book writer's uh, input into their, crea- into their characters and their creation. And it's, it's um, incredibly moving to hear that. Thank you. I uh my, my grandfather uh passed away like years ago, uh, twelve years ago. And but uh I remember as a kid him 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 showing me like old war comics and stuff on like Marvel or something like that. I didn't know what the hell it was I was looking at. But I always uh I always always remember that, him showing the, showing them to me. Like like a, you know, like, oh here's a dirty magazine you're not supposed to read. But it was <laughs> like there were some violent images in these comics and I that always stood with me to be like, Ooh, comic books aren't just Spider Man, they're something else altogether.
2: That's great, man. Yeah, the that generation, um, you know, they they're sort of. My grandpa came up at the same time as Superman. Like he, he was he was around when that stuff was, but he was never for him. Comic books are just like these cheap things that you that you know they would uh, get instructions for you know in the military from. You know, like he he never quite understood the the my, what I do for a living or anything. He, just, he never quite got it, but he's like, yeah, whatever. Well, getting, you know. <laughs> His nature shows and his World War 2 movies, he's good.
1: That works. The man knows what he likes.
2: Absolutely.
0: Getting into the issue itself, for anybody who's uh, listened to the podcast for the last two episodes, we usually go over a big plot synopsis of the uh, of the issue itself, but because we have a special guest on the show with us, we're going to forego the plot synopsis and kind of dive right into the comic book itself as we wanted to give a lot of time to Tim and uh, talking about uh, Dark Red as as well as many of the other things that he has worked on just for time reasons. One thing I wanted to ask right, right away is that, how does copyright work with people in comic books, comic book conventions, or properties that you don't own, like Evil, Evil Ernie, Chucky, Vampirella, The Crow, which you know, you're know you working on coming up very soon?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's all permission, so for me, it's always been easiest to ask for things that are owned by people. Instead of things that are owned by a corporation, which is why doing something like with Hatchet was easy because I know Adam Green and I could just call him and, and say, "Hey, can I do a thing with you?" and and we can make a deal between us. Um, whereas something that's owned by a corporation like Freddy, uh, you know, is owned by Warner Brothers, so that's a lot tougher. But you know, I, I've I've gotten good at asking uh, and just to ask, you know, like and pitching people on on team ups and because Hackslash is so flexible. It's always been good for team-ups and and crossovers. So yeah, it's just asking the right permission, signing deals. With the comic book carnage, all those people were friends of mine, and I just asked them if it was okay, and everybody gave the okay. Nobody that I asked turned me down, and all of them, I would just send them the art and be like, you know, are you cool with this? Um, And Scotty to this day, you know, um, he's he's always been really helpful with Hackslash, and um, has done coverage for me and, and, and let me use characters and stuff. So if, if you can do it with your friends, it's much better.
0: The first issue of Hack slash The Crow comes out in, what, June? Yeah. The Crow is got to be... I, I think I was talking about this with you, Serena, in the first episode because when we mm-hmm. recorded the first episode, it was the anniversary of the death of uh, Brandon Lee. The Crow, the movie, the character, the concept is probably the most goth thing you can... Think of. A guy and his <laughs> wife are killed on their wedding night on Halloween, and then he's resurrected a year later from the dead? It's pretty goth.
2: I mean, it, it's and this was another one. I grew up on that comic. It was kind of my introduction to a lot of the stuff that, you know, I lived, I grew up in a small town. We didn't have, like, a goth club or any of that kind of stuff and no access to that kind of music. And then I read that comic book and it introduced me to bands I, I still love today, like Joy Division and The Cure. So that book is really important to me. And then I saw the movie. And the movie was very important to me. Um, it was like the perfect age to see it. I saw it at 17. So, you know, it was it really, like, important to my overall development as a person. And, uh, and I came to know James O'Barr from years of comic conventions. So I actually asked him if we could do a crossover. And it took us a little while to set it up. But, um, but he was, you know, I emailed him and said, hey, can we, can we move forward on this? And he said, yeah, just don't embarrass me. That was my permission for <laughs> Pack crow.
0: So, Going into the issue itself, we have credits by Tim Seeley and Stefano Caselli Productions, uh, written by Tim Seeley and written by Frederica Manfredi, colorist Dave Amesey with Fabio Mantovani with Frederica Manfredi and special fa- thanks to David Messina, letters by Marshall Dillon, graphic design by Mike Norton, produced by Devil Do Publishing, President Josh Blaylock, art director Mike Norton, Marshall Dillon, project manager, and many more credits. And then we have uh, the cover by Tim Seeley and Adi Salman. How do two people work on a cover together? Is one like the inker and the other one the drawer?
2: No, I penciled it and Adi colored it.
0: Okay. We open up at the Philadelphia Convention Center, Wizard World, Philadelphia. So this is like kind of like Wizard World, right?
2: Yeah, very clever. I know, yeah. Man,
0: I- <laughs> So we open up at the con. So we begin with a eccentric comic book fan talking to Steve Niles. Who, if you'd like to listen to an interview I did with him, check out the Radio Horror YouTube channel. Talk about the chase makes the blood that much sweeter. And this is a line from his Thirty Days a Night comic book, which was one of the the, like, the comic book that made IDW explode all of a sudden. If you're not familiar with Thirty Days a Night, definitely go check it out. It's an amazing comic book with exceptionally dark horror artwork by the great Ben Templesmith. Absolutely amazing. I would love to see Ben draw a hack slash comic book.
2: He did a cover, I think he's done a few covers actually. He did one for one or two for Army of Darkness, uh hack slash, and he did one for the main series.
0: Now, what is Young Buck Entertainment? Was that something created just for the comic book or was that a real thing?
2: No, it was it's completely made up. Okay. Uh, on, <laughs> at the time we were at, we had started Devil's Due, and um it was you know it was a company made up of like a bunch of twenty-five-year-olds, basically, and at the same time was Dreamwave and IW, uh mostly full of people who were like just out of college. So we were called Young Bucks. So I just took that name um, and used it as the comp, the fake company made up of uh, Scotty and Steve and Robert and and Messy Stinch, my friend Messy
0: Stinch. Messy. Now it is funny that you have a you have the comic book convention called the Wizard, there is a guy, the villain, w- with a W T shirt. There's an action figure called the Wonder Kid, but the yellow and red reminds me of the Golden Age superhero that fought alongside Captain America and the Submariner, called the Wizard.
2: Yep, absolutely, and that's intentional. <laughs> uh, we were trying to be like some um, sort of Golden Age kind of characters. So there's uh, Wonder Kid is kind of somewhere between. Um, like a Marvel timely character from the 40s and Captain Marvel Shazam, obviously.
0: Now, Scotty Young, I'm very familiar with, and everyone is familiar with Robert Kirkman. Um, I mean, between him and Steve Niles, those two, I mean, Steve Niles has had pretty decent media success. Robert Kirkman obviously blew up with the AMC television series based off of his. Uh, you know, f- his his funny little black-and-white comic book you might have heard called The Walking Dead. I I don't know anything about it, but, you know, some people may have watched that <laughs> I think that I've show. heard of it. Yeah, but Messy Stench was somebody I was definitely not familiar with whatsoever. What? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> she was, and still is, but she was a friend of mine. Uh, uh, she lived in Chicago at the time. She was a DJ and an uh, internet personality, kind and we're dating ourselves, I guess, a little bit. She was really big into the sort of... Um, industrial punk uh, stuff, the cyber uh, goth stuff, and she was a good friend of mine, and she's hilarious and twisted, and I was looking for somebody to put in this book that was real and had just like an epic personality, and Messi was the first person I thought of. She's not a comic book person, really, but uh, she's kind of always been around.
0: I'm sorry, yeah, Messy Stench. I was just not very familiar with her. Hey, I can't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> i only got so much room in my brain, and most of it got filled with six hours of the Avengers Endgame movie, which, unfortunately, Shut- Serena hasn't seen, so we can't talk about.
2: <laughs> I just came back from it, so yeah, I won't tell you anything.
0: After the untimely demise of, of Steve Niles... One of the car- Yeah, of Steve Niles, which makes it look like a suicide. We cut over to a hotel that Cassie and Vlad are staying at, and Cassie looks like she's about to attack somebody, but she's attacking a pillow because she's getting a little uh, stir-crazy being inside. Well, so this was
2: when I sent the pages. So Federica Manfredi was um, a friend of Stefano Sally's, um, and we hired her to do the book because she was one of the, the... A student that Stefano worked with, and she was so good, and... We sent over the reference for Steve, and then when we got back was like this sexy buff guy with lots of abs, you know? And uh, (laughs) I sent it to Steve, and he was just like, hell yeah, I'm all about that. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. And like this is maybe not the most accurate, but we'll just say yes, Steve at the time was totally ripped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Serena, you asked this question in the last episode, and I couldn't answer it, but uh, since we have Tim on, he could probably answer it. Is this the first appearance of the kiss it Bat?
2: I think so. Well, so Stefano did design it, so I feel like I don't remember. Yeah, it's interesting. When I sent the sketch of the original Cassie, it didn't say kiss on the bat, and Stefano wrote that on there, and I was like, and it kind of always felt weird. Like, I think I might have had it say something else. Like, I think it might have said suck it when I wrote it, I think. And then (laughs) Stefano came back with kiss it, and it's kind of stupid, but I, I just loved it, and it stayed, like. So a lot of the early things in, Se- in Hack Slash were all Stefano. Like, I sent a sketch for Cassie, but he did his own thing with it. And some of it is just, like, weird Stefano stuff. Like, weird um, Italian misunderstanding of English. And it worked out better that way, I think.
0: <laughs> there's one thing I want to point out in Cassie's bag after her and uh, Vlad's dumpster diving meal. And they see, hear the reports on the news that Steve was killed. There's a compact in her bag. And Cassie doesn't strike me as the type of person to be very vain. She wears lots Heath. of black
2: eye makeup though.
0: Clearly. Yeah, that is true. That she is got true.
2: Heavy eyes, so.
0: Yeah, and no, you're right.
2: This was also the advantage of having a woman draw the book was that she knew shit that I would never have thought of. So she would know that women always have a compact in their in their purse. And uh, so that's a nice We do? Yep, it's a nice detail that only Federica could have added.
0: Oh, Serena, you don't need it. You're just naturally beautiful. Ah. Vlad's skin in this comic book is a little brown or a little gray, depending on what the light is showing. What is up with it's Vlad's crazy. skin changing color from issue to issue?
2: Right, that's been driving me crazy for 15 years. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad is supposed to have brown, green, sort of olive green skin. That was always the it's, people sometimes just make him Hulk-like. Yeah. Uh, he's always supposed to have been sort of brown, green. That's And that, the thing was, you know, he's if he wasn't, as you learn later in um, Slice Hard, you know, if he was if he was not mutated, he'd be a black guy. But we, you know, we don't, we just know that he has this weird condition and his skin is kind of mottled. It was supposed to be like the idea that he had grown up in a basement and, and it never again. Jaund- He's a little jaundiced. He's a little jaundiced. But it's been driving me crazy for years that... I get sketches, or, like, he's blue-green, or he's,
0: Jumping right back to the issue. So, Vlad and Cassie (laughs) go to the comic book convention, where Vlad becomes friends with Robert Kirkman, which is kind of interesting, which becomes a big plot point through the rest of the issue. As Vlad and Cassie separate, Cassie goes to Death by Boob Job 2, which I had to look up, could not find an actual movie of. Oh, it's not a real movie. That's not a
2: real movie. That would never (laughs) be a real movie. I hope it, it could have been a trauma movie, I guess, pretty easily. But, yeah. The joke in there was that I, at the time I'd been working on a Troma movie, so I think we were at lunch and I I came up with the title Death by Boob Job, so that's why that was in there.
0: Cassie gets <laughs> drugged by the demented little shadow baby, which we saw kill uh, Steve Niles, and then just as uh, Messi's top is being ripped off in the movie, she gets stabbed herself and dies, as Vlad is making good friends with Robert Kirkman.
2: And I, I thought that totally made sense because at the time, uh, Robert was a big, goofy, gentle giant, and I thought he would like that, because they were kind of the same guy.
0: <laughs> now, a question that was asked of me on um, on Gmail when we put our email out there, which is thatradiohorror at gmail dot com, was in this comic book and a lot of early comic books of Hack Slash, Cassie is covered up in most of her shots, but later on, nudity becomes kind of a more more shown in the comics. What kind of changed that?
2: It just depends on the artist. I mean. Because I don't tend to write in a lot of that stuff. It just depends on who's drawing it. So, I mean, Federica would do, like, cute stuff. And Emily, I, you know, honestly, it would depend if it was a guy or, or a girl drawing the book, it seems like. when. Why Federica, does that
1: not surprise me?
2: Yeah, it shouldn't surprise anyone.
1: <laughs> but, um,
2: like, Dan Leister would always have her bending over and stuff. And uh, Emily hardly ever did it. And she, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just it depends on who's drawing it. and Who's bored and horny? I think um, <laughs> I'm guilty as of putting her in pretty sexy stuff too. So yeah, it just depends. So far, it has depended on the gender of the artist. Basically, yeah. but
1: she's fairly covered in this issue. Yeah, is her top supposed to be Freddy Krueger esque, or yeah,
0: is that just a coincidence?
2: That's, that's absolutely a Federica idea. Yeah.
0: Also, she it's one it. of the few times we see Cassie in pants. That's true.
1: <laughs> she does own some.
2: Yeah, this might be the only pair of pants she owns. Mm. i relate to that
0: after vlad and cassie's little heart-to-heart about connecting to people and vlad goes into a little bit of his origin story and they really have this tender moment together where it shows their camaraderie which i really really like and we touch upon that again later on when we get to hack slash number one of the ongoing we meet we finally meet our villains where do these guys come from and i'm i'm gonna say and i'm gonna guess basket case the
2: idea was combining
0: basket case and Captain Marvel, basically. I, I
2: like I kind of hate when people try to darken up superhero, take kids characters and kind of. And I've always hated this, so it makes sense that I was doing this even back then. But it made sense to me that like you know when tr- someone's trying to make Shazam edgy, that they would Im- immediately pick up on the like a little boy in a man's body idea. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was like. Me making fun of how easy it is to, to edgy up kids' story, you know, like, which is something that still grosses me out. that And they, it's done all the time. And so that, it was just me making fun of that.
1: By literally having a child in a man's body? I like it.
2: Yeah, Woo. I know. I'm a genius. But Woo. it's so easy <laughs> to do.
0: When we switch back over to the convention, in the background we can see comic books like Criminal Macabre and Invincible. I can't see what the one is in the far right corner next to Invincible. Let's see
2: if I can find that page. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically, like, everybody who gave me permission, I think it might have been West Scott. I just had them, they gave me permission to use their covers, so, yeah, it was just, you know, I would just ask my friends if I could use their stuff and they would send me pictures and and you know so a lot of this is just hey what are you working on and Steve would be like oh I've got this new Cal McDonald thing coming out and he'd send me a cover and I'd put it in there
1: this is why you should always be nice to people see kids
0: it is funny that Scotty Young has a panel with almost nobody in it that would never happen today
2: (laughs) that's true Feel back then, maybe, that's
0: all. So Cassie decides to use her feminine mystique and God-given assets to try and invoke the slasher because she thinks it's some type of supernatural force that a slasher can tell when people are about to get it on. Scotty rebuffs rebuffs her because he's married and she is taken aback by it, like, shamefully.
2: Scotty, and this is the real guy, is an amazingly family-oriented guy and he's always been that way, so that was me playing a little bit to the real guy.
0: I just thought it was fun. Remember when I said he might be really small, kid sized, and he says, "Did you say kid sized?" Like he's trying to figure out what the hell she's talking about. And the uh, guy is taking out the trash and gets decapitated by the killer in like the strokest. And Vlad just takes it in stride as he's being like blasted in the face by the uh, the uh, the blood pumping out of the stump. Oh man.
2: We did some crazy shit back. It's weird. I haven't looked at this book in probably maybe eight years. So it's so weird to look at something you made and be like, what the fuck was I
0: thinking? (laughs) Serious drugs, man Serious drugs Jimmy and Lloyd (laughs) And of course the umbilical cords Coming out of uh, Coming out of Jimmy I'm sorry Coming out of Lloyd Is disgusting It reminds me of uh, God Lords of Salem When um, Rob Zombie's wife Has got the umbilical cords Around her From the demonic baby Mm -hmm. That
2: makes Yeah, that'll work And it's funny So Lloyd is named after At the time I was working with Troma And Lloyd is named after Lloyd Kaufman Oh Oh,
1: well, that
0: director,
2: was sweet. <laughs> the director of Toxic Avengers.
1: Oh, gotcha.
0: I love Lloyd Kaufman. We had him on the show years ago. He was so sweet to talk to. Yeah, he's
2: a great guy. And I, I uh, when I was started on comics, I was really lucky I got to hang out with a lot of the, my idols, you know, like Larry Hama and, and Lloyd Kaufman and, and some of these uh, veterans that, you know, would go out for beers with me. So I tried to pay, play it back with uh, some homages to them.
0: As uh, they wrap it up and Cassie and Vlad escape. Which they pretty much need to escape, and they're kind of Scooby Van. Cassie mentions to Vlad that it's, if she ever goes as dark as her, as she possibly could, or possibly become like her mother, she wants Vlad to kill her. Yeah, shit.
2: We pick that up later, don't we? That's actually how this, the original series ends, is she goes as dark as her mom.
0: It's, I mean, it's kind of a sad little note for a super, um, I mean, superhero. She's not, like, Superman, but, you know, she's your superhero of your comic book. That's that's pretty dark.
2: Well, I mean, that was always kind of the idea, I think, with Hexlash was that, I like my, and, and I think this story is supposed to be that, is, is That's the little meta commentary is that she's not a superhero and she's not a kid's story. And so there's some, she's a horror character, you know, and I think a, some of the best horror characters are ones that, that they fear themselves more than anything else, right? That's the wolf man and the vampire and um, yeah. that sort of, you know, so Cassidy was always supposed to be a horror character, not a superhero.
0: And Scotty leaves uh the convention and goes back to Chicago, Illinois a couple months later and creates the character Chippy the Slasher Slayer. <laughs> feel
2: like we, yeah, we did pick up on that in the trailers, which uh we had an animated version of Chippy the Slasher Slayer.
0: Which Scotty drew the cover
2: for actually. I actually might have drawn the whole thing. So yeah, that's pretty put a lot of cool stuff in this back in
0: the day. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the comic book for the ads, there isn't really any ads until we get to the end, but I wanted to point out the cover has Cassie coming towards, which I'm assuming is Lloyd, and there's comic books right below her, like Freak Show, Scotty and Camel, and ArgoBot. Were those real comic books?
2: Those are all real comics. Uh, Scotty, Scotty's Camel was his sketchbook. Uh, Mike Dorns uh, was the artist on Jason and the ArgoBots. Oh, it was, uh, Freak Show was, um, I believe, Ryan Hotley's book at the time, so... Um, yeah, back in like 2000, how long ago was this, 2004, 2005, when we first started going to conventions, like, those were all the guys that, um, I would hang out with at shows, so, um, Robert and, and Ryan and, uh, Scotty and, and Steve Niles, all those guys, we all, you know, would hang out for drinks or go explore the cities that we were in, because we were all pretty, fairly young and just starting comics, so, um, that was my, uh. My connections. that. Yeah, it's funny seeing it now. Like I still know all those guys. I actually just saw Scotty a couple weeks ago. So um, make some friends in comics for a long time. That's the cool thing about it.
0: We have some pinups in here by Rob Randall, Becky Laugh, and Sean Dove. There are three in the back just before we get to the Devil Do News or News, which is basically updates about what's going on in Devil's Do Press as well as some conventions that are happening at the time in 2005, including Wizard World Chicago. ha uh-huh. As well as other upcoming books from Devil's Due Press. And then we get a f- big ad for Free Comic Book Day, which if you're listening to this podcast, the day it's going to come out is two days before Free Comic Book Day 2019.
2: And it's great seeing these pinups. Uh, Sean Dobb is my studio mate still for this day. I've sat next to him for 14 years uh, in various offices across Chicago. And Rob Randall, I still know him. I actually did his podcast about a month ago. Um... So yeah, man, small world, these people, they stick around.
0: And then we get two ads at the back for Master and Prentice Volumes 1 and 2, the exciting origin of Comic-Cora collected in trade paperback. I gotta point out, this character Comic-Cora, who is Sean Collins in the G.I. Joe universe, is now currently the male version of Snake Eyes. There is also a character named Dawn, who is the female Snake Eyes, in the current G.I. Joe Real American Hero ongoing continuation of the Marvel comic book series by Larry Hama.
2: Pretty crazy, yeah.
0: Then we, on the back, we have The War Will End, One Will Die, The Red Shadows Will Rise, and this was ending the Devil's Due Press G.I. Joe comic book before they re- relaunched it as G.I. Joe America's Elite. The character who dies is Lady J. And I drew that, right? I believe this is your artwork, yes. Yeah, I barely remember. <laughs> yeah, some... I haven't read those G.I. Joe issues in quite some time, but I always thought it was funny that Devil's Due Press launched G.I. Joe, by coincidence only, on September 12th, 2001 oh
2: yeah i mean it was it was like the worst best you know coincidence to have like a super patriotic book come out on a day when yeah that was crazy Uh,
0: on a day we needed a real american hero now more than ever yeah and
2: and doing gi joe drawing gi joe led to me making Hackslash because i was going crazy drawing all those um vehicles and airplanes and shit and i was like i just want to draw something with hot girls and monsters and that's how we end up with Hackslash.
0: And then we have a com where you can order copies of uh, back issues of uh, Hackslash. Uh, if you could try and do that now, you're going to be on eBay spending a lot of money. Early issues of Hackslash go for big, big, big bucks. On the back cover, we have Slacks Hackslash Evil Ernie, which is the next crossover coming up, which we will get to in a couple of weeks. And a
2: personal favorite of mine, for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh we are I am a casual fan of Evil Ernie, I'm a bigger fan of Lady Death. I kickstart almost every one of Brian Polito's comic books. Oh yeah, me
2: too, man. And also we did a card set crossover with Lady Death, so that was a big big deal for me to get to do you know, she's not part of the regular chaos books, but I got to do a uh Cassie versus yeah, High Clash versus Lady Death card series.
0: Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. They're pretty I rare didn't either. Probably on eBay for some cash. A Lady Death hack slash card series. I'm on eBay right now, trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Serena, as long as your audio yeah. wants to, wants to cooperate, do you have any other questions for uh, Tim before we round out the podcast? For anyone listening, by the way, we had a disconnect like uh, Skype call, and Serena had to go on cell phone due to some seriously bad internet connection. No,
1: I actually don't have any other
0: questions. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show, despite all of yes, the technical. Thank you so, so malfunctions yeah, that we had good. tonight
2: thank you for thanks for having me i'm sorry it didn't uh, work out audio wise too good but it's it's uh it's great to run down and look at old projects and and get reminded of stuff that was so much fun
0: would you be able to say that this is the official hack slash podcast
2: it is the official hack slash podcast
0: thank you so much for that we really do appreciate it we do have a golf girl for the month her name is uh marilyn Mansix. She has a YouTube channel where she does cover songs. And if you haven't had a chance to check her out, she has, like, you know, dozens of videos on YouTube. Julia Conti, Ju- her, sorry, so that was her Twitter name. Her name is Julia Conti, and she has a beautiful voice. I highly recommend going to her YouTube channel, subscribing, and checking out all of the various songs she's done, covers of. Bohemian Rhapsody, a Lovely, Serial Killer, When the Party's Over, A Thousand Years part of your world i'll make a man out of you heroin the national anthem dark paradise yayo video games the blackest day and so many more i highly recommend checking out her channel she does it not just as a voice but you actually can see her singing as well her videos are fantastic we will definitely put a link in the description box below for this podcast uh but she is our pick for our goth girl of the month if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can, at Goth Girl Horror, And you can also send us an email at that gmail at... Sorry. You can also send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can as well. Thank you once again to Tim Seeley for coming on the show with us. Thank you, Serena, for being for being the co-host for this amazing podcast. Oh, you're welcome. And you heard it here, folks. We are the official... Hack Slash Podcast here on the Radio Horror Network. Come back in two weeks as Hack Slash meets Evil Ernie. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: the who gonna tonight? Let the know that she's looking for a fight. Smash them with your badge. These murderous monsters don't. You're bad It's murderous Monsters
0: don't die